raise up our voices together and speak about God's goodness and be reminded of these wonderful truths about God's grace, the fact that He's all around us. And then this new song that I hadn't heard before talks about rise and it's a prayer to the Holy Spirit too, that He would rise within us, right? And I think that's going to go really well hand in hand with our message this morning. So hopefully you participated, you're paying attention to the, uh, to the lyrics, and we'll see what God has for us this morning. But I want to welcome you and let you know that you're a blessing to me. In case nobody has told you that this morning, seeing you guys walk in and just saying hello to everyone, to me personally it's a blessing. I know it's a blessing for all of us to be able to gather like this as family and just be able to see each other on a weekly basis. Or if it's your first time here, welcome. We're, we're happy to uh, be able to welcome you. For those joining us online, we're grateful that you also have an opportunity to join us. We want to hear from you, by the way, all right? We haven't forgotten about that. We want to hear from you. Just let us know who you are and, uh, and maybe what, what being able to join in our service live via the internet uh, means to you. I think that will help us as we go forward. So this morning, I want to mention a couple of things um, before we take communion. I want to remind you and I want you to keep in prayer the fact that the youth group in a couple of weeks is going to be going to uh, uh, the Grand Canyon. So there's going to be about 30 of us missing. I plan on being here, uh, but uh, you'll see maybe a a significant decrease in attendance, perhaps. You'll notice that. Um, Probably most of our uh, band members are going to be, I think, traveling. So you might get recruited during the week. Don't panic. We're always on the lookout uh, for new members. That's going to happen in a couple of weeks, last weekend of July. So keep that in prayer, the youth leaders, the chaperones, and the youth that are going to be attending that. The young adults are also invited to that. Okay, there's no young adults meeting tonight. We had one last week, so to, tonight we won't be meeting young adults. We'll plan on meeting next, next Sunday. Um, and then lastly, I want to share with you just um, July will be the, the last month of our second trimester for 2022 for our growth groups. Our growth groups, for those of you that don't know, are intended to be part of our, a big part of our discipleship process here at Crosspoint. So Sunday morning worship experience, what we're doing right now is part number one. Part number two is we encourage you to join and be committed to a growth group. And then part number three is for you to serve the world with God's love. So uh, experience God through worship, uh, commit to growth through growth groups, and serve uh, God through service teams and ministries here in our church. That's it. Three, three parts, and that's what we invite you to. We encourage you to be part of that, and I believe you'll be blessed by that. If you have the right attitude, we're trying to give you the basic tools for you to be able to uh, just grow, be well-grounded in the Word uh, with other people, and then serve uh, this world with God's love. And so August will be uh, our break from, from growth groups. All of August will be off, and then September, October, and November will be our third trimester for our growth groups. So many of you are not in growth groups, and I want to highly encourage you, but I don't want to just keep telling you and encourage you. I want somebody to tell you firsthand from experience what uh, being part of a growth group is. So I'm going to ask Jesse Del Rio to come up. I'm going to get him a microphone right here, and I'll tell you about Jesse. Maybe some of you guys don't know about Jesse or don't know Jesse, but Jesse and I go way back, as many of us do. I think we met each other like at youth group at church when we were both, well, he was like 15 and I was eight. No, I'm kidding. He, the other way around. We're, we're the other way around, he says no. So I'm going to let Jesse just kind of share with you a little bit what growth groups means to him. 
Good morning, church family. Uh, I'm going to be reading off my phone because I get nervous in front of people, but God put it in my heart to come up here and, and speak today. So uh, I want to begin by uh, just saying that I'm glad God has me here in this church and with, with all you people. It's great to know everybody and people that I'm still getting to know. Um, so excuse me one second. So what growth groups have been doing in my life since joining the first trimester of this year has been making me spiritually grow, um, learning more about the Bible, obviously. Uh, things that I have been able to apply to my life make me a stronger Christian. As a Christian man, uh, I just feel that I'm growing and God's doing some good works in me. Great thing about being a part of a growth group is that you get to hear another person's perspective on the same chapter that I'm reading, and it opens my eyes to things that I wouldn't have thought of or seen in a certain verse. We get to pray for each other and also our friends and family, and we get to report on our blessings throughout the week. After the study, study sessions, I personally love to stick around and talk to whoever's there. Being in a growth group has also given me a sense of belonging. Because of that, I now know 15 to 20 people from church that I didn't know before. It has taught me that accountability and availability are everything. God just wants us to be available for him. It has led me to also serve here at Crosspoint, which is the least I can do considering what God has been doing in my life. Overall, the growth group has given me a better relationship with Jesus Christ and gotten me closer to members of our congregation. It's a win-win situation for me and for all of us who join. I was just telling Pastor Mike that I used to come to church to be blessed, and now I come and try to be the blessing. A wise man once told me that the word Bible was an acronym for basic instructions before leaving earth. Are you going to study your instructions? Because I'm studying them. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Jesse. So it's a blessing just to know we have about seven groups that meet throughout the week. Some of them are online. Some of them are here at church. And many of them are in different houses throughout the week. So uh, I think starting next week, we're going to be advertising out there for you to ask questions, maybe to meet some of the growth group leaders. If you go online, we're going to have all the updated information with the scheduling. And uh, our hope, I mean, I was going to say personally, but really our hope as the group of elders is that everyone that believes God has them here at Crosspoint as their local congregation, for them to be plugged in in a growth group. Um, I, I think you'll be blessed. So. Hopefully that you'll be encouraged by that. Okay. So um, I'd like to take communion with you. And so if you didn't grab one of these, you want to raise your hand and we'll have somebody, we'll have a runner come around and, and provide you one if you want to take communion with us. Go ahead and raise your hand and we'll try to have somebody come out and get you. Uh, and I want to look at Hebrews 9 verse 12. Hebrews is an interesting letter we actually don't know who wrote it. Most people would say it was Paul. Um, we know the author ultimately is the Holy Spirit. Uh, but Hebrews is a little bit different. Very much a, a Hebrew audience was in mind. And so there's a lot of referencing to the Old Testament, the Old Testament rituals, the sacrifices. So you, I think you'll, when you read that, you'll, you'll see how... In many ways similar, but also different from, let's say, the Pauline epistles uh, that are found in the New Testament. Um, and here in verse 12 of chapter 9 in Hebrews, 
It says, uh, I'll read from verse 11. Sorry, I always do this. It says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. That would be his body. That is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Again, so much to say there, but yeah, the author is making the comparison where the, in the Old Testament for prior to Christ, for at least 1,400 years, they would celebrate the Passover and they would sacrifice an innocent animal and shed its blood in order to cover their sins. And all of that was an expectation, looking forward to one day God providing the perfect what John the Baptist calls Lamb of God that would take the sins, take away the sins of the world. And that would be our Lord Jesus Christ. And for the last 2,000 years, the church has been celebrating and taking part of, in communion, the Lord's table, remembering, recognizing, and proclaiming the fact that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, and like Paul says, of whom I am chief or number one. You know, we get to celebrate that as we gather on a Sunday morning. So as you, as you peel back the first layer here and you take this bread, it is a reminder of the Lord's body, our Lord Jesus Christ's perfect, sinless body that hung on that cross for your sins and mine. Let's take that together. As you peel back the second layer, you have the Jews that represents the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross of Calvary for our sins, the payment for our redemption. Let's take that together. If you can, let's go ahead and stand. We're going to sing a hymn, two stanzas and, and the chorus twice, to God be the glory. And... Um, Let's, let's sing it. Let's talk about what he has done for us. Let's show our gratitude. You know, we sing together. We get to participate in a service like this and just put our voices together unto him. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Who yielded his life an atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he has done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer the promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Praise the Lord, 
Praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he has done. Amen. Gracious Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to gather, for the opportunity to be able to um, dig into your word and to see what, through your Holy Spirit and through uh, Dr. Luke, you wrote for us to, to have the privilege of investigating and, and being exposed to. So this morning, as we get into the message, I pray that you would teach us that you would guide us, that you would transform us with your power in a way that will bring honor and glory to your holy name. We thank you. We ask you this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. You may have a seat, beloved. This morning we will continue with our messages based out of the gospel according to Luke. The title of this morning's message is Keeping the Word. And we're actually going to read, I think, a portion that is most likely very familiar to you. It is a parable that the Lord Jesus Christ teaches with or on, and it's the parable of the soils, as some people may call it, the parable of the farmer that goes out to sow and scatters the seed. Um, and this morning, I think what, what uh, I was led, I believe, to, to put together and share with you is a message entitled, Keeping the Word. And so there's a lot of ways that you can teach this parable. We could have taken, you know, one soil every week and maybe prolonged our, our messages, and that would have been awesome. I would have enjoyed doing that. But we're going we're gonna to read from verses 4 through 18. And what I want to do is, understanding that we could look at this parable and, and, and talk about the different soils and how that applies to different people, and maybe for us to say, like, oh, I'm, I'm the last one, of course. Uh, but what I want to do is I want to assume that We've read this parable before, that we're familiar with it, and what I want us to do is see where we stand in relation to this good soil that is, is pointed out. So if, if, if I would imagine that most of us claim to be that good soil where the Word of God came and, and you know, found some good ground, well, keeping the Word is a evidence, keeping the Word as we're going to read that in, in, the, in this portion, has to do with the Word of God finding a place to reside in and eventually bear fruit, much fruit. And so I'm very interested personally in my walk with the Lord. I'm very interested in having my life bear fruit for God's glory. That's what I want. Um, my life goal is not to be a great pastor, though I want to be that, of course, for you, for God's glory, or, or anything else. I want my life to bear the fruit that God wants to produce in my life. And I believe part of that is me being a, a preacher and a pastor and a father and a husband and all those good things. And what I want then, not only do I want that for myself, but I want that for you, and I want that for our congregation I want our congregation, Crosspoint, here in Whittier, to be a church known for the fruit that God is bringing forth through His Word and through our lives. And so the question becomes, what kind of fruit are you bearing? What kind of fruit is the Word of God bearing, showing in your life? And this is never meant to give ourselves a guilt trip. 
I'll, I'll start with myself. There's no way that I would say, looking at my life and my fruit, that I am content. Or that I would pretend to think that God is just like, man, that mic is just, you know, on fire. I doubt that. In fact, I know that's not what's going on in heaven. It's more like, oh boy, there goes Mike again. Okay, well, he's my son. So it's not meant as a, as a guilt trip. It's meant as, as an encouragement. It's meant as, and depending on where you are in life, you know, maybe you've been uh, living your life in a way that, that doesn't show the fruit that God wants in your life. Well, well I'm glad that you're here. You should be glad that, that God has something for you. And I believe this is for all of us, of course. So I want to talk about keeping the word. I want to talk about, as, as professing Christians, are we keeping the word? Is the word of God yielding the fruit that he wants to bring forth in our lives? So the main point is this. The title is Keeping the Word. We're going to look at Luke 8, 4 through 18. And the main point is that God is glorified when his word yields fruit in our lives. Simple. God is glorified when his word yields fruit in our lives. If our lives are yielding fruit, God is glorified because it's his fruit through his word in our lives. So we should be very interested in that. So as a form of introduction, let me just tell you. uh, You know, last week we talked about uh, financing the kingdom, uh, how these women that were disciples of the Lord would follow him from town to town, and they would give of their own means, and, and they would finance essentially the Lord's work. I thought that was fascinating. Um, We talked two weeks ago about this woman who had been forgiven much, and she showed that through her actions at the end of chapter 7. And so today we get to look at, uh, at this parable that was in part made possible this ministry work and the Lord giving this parable through the work that these women we're doing as they were financing the Lord's work through their own means. I, I just find that super interesting. So this, let me, let me um, say one more thing. I'm not a farmer for certain. I'm not even a gardener. And if you ask my wife, I'm not even a very good, uh, you know, she asked me to water the plants, and I even fail at that sometimes. Like, did you water the plants? I either forgot, didn't do it, or I didn't do very well. Even when I think I did a great job, she says, did you also get the ones by the tree? I'm like, oh, no, but I'm going to. Uh, so I'm not, a, I'm not exactly an expert in this field of soils. But not that long ago, we did some work at my house, right, Lance? And we, uh, part of the work that we did in replacing some stuff, uh, we had to remove a lemon tree that we really enjoyed. It was a small lemon tree, but it gave us nice big lemons. So I thought, you know, well, let's save that tree. So we pulled it out. And then I thought, you know, there's a real nice spot over there next to these, my apple tree. Uh, how cool would it be to have an apple tree and then a lemon tree? And, and there was a, a clear spot. And I'm thinking, I'm going to go out there and, you know, how long can it possibly take to dig a hole on the ground? So I get my shovel, and I'm thinking I'm just going to stick it in there. And shh. Well, as soon as I try putting my shovel in there, what happens? I hit rocks. There's all kinds of rocks. Get rid of the rocks. I go a little bit deeper, all kinds of roots from the other trees. My house has all kinds of trees all over, and I guess those roots just go crazy. They don't, they don't stay in their lane, and there's roots everywhere. Long story short, it took forever just to dig a hole that was maybe two feet in diameter, two feet deep. It must have taken me way more energy than what I thought. 
And, and as I was preparing for this message, I thought how, how interesting it can be that we can get to the point where we think that our Christian life is easy. And we talked about the Pharisee Simon a couple of weeks ago where he took the Lord for granted. You know, he invites him to his house, but then doesn't wash his feet, doesn't give him a kiss, doesn't anoint his hair. And we, we take the Lord for granted. You know, we think that this Christian life is, is easy. Just like I thought it'd be easy to dig that hole. And then we realize, whoa, rocks? Uh, bricks? I find all kinds of stuff in there except any, you know, I don't know if you guys do that, but I'm digging. I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, what if I find a little piece of gold or something? You guys, I know you guys don't do that. I know you guys don't do that. Or how cool would it be to find a dinosaur? T- whatever. I didn't find any of that. Roots and rocks is all I found. It took me way longer, and, and it helped with my assumption that that would have been an easy job. For us as Christians, beloved, we have to understand that the minute you relax and you think that you can just go with the flow, that's exactly what the devil wants for you. Because then you just conform right into this world. That's the easy thing for us to do. For us to live the Christian life is to always go against the grain, against the current. And coming together as a body of believers, being part of a growth group like Jesse was talking about, where you can be accountable, where you can be encouraged, is essential to the Christian life. And that's what you're invited to here at Crosspoint. So, let's talk about these, these, uh, these soils. And, and talk about ourselves. Let's talk about ourselves and see what, as we compare ourselves to Scripture, where are we and what do we need to do? So let me read Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 18. I have four points. So I'm going to hurry here. And then we'll, the four points are going to fill up or complete this phrase, which is to yield fruit in our lives, we must. And then that's what the four points are going to come in. So let me read Luke chapter 8. Verses 4 through 18. 16, 17, and 18 seem to be different from the parable and the teaching, but I think I want to group it together partly for the sake of kind of moving forward, but also you'll see a little bit of the the connection there. Starting in verse 4, there's the Lord Jesus Christ speaking as a, a, a great multitude gets together. It says, And when a great multitude had gathered And they had come to him from every city. He spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rocks, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on the good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried out and said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest... It is given in parables that, quote, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand, end quote. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear when the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation They fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares 
riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that would not be revealed nor anything hidden that would not be known and come to light. Therefore take heed now how you hear. For whoever has to him more will be given, and whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken from him. So I'll, men- I'll kind of go backwards. 16, 17, and 18, I think this is a follow-up to the Lord just saying this parable. He ends the parable by saying there's good soil that brings, that brings forth fruit. And he follows that up, I believe, by saying just like a lamp, you don't light up a lamp and hide it. And I believe he's talking about our fruit. We want to bear fruit, and that fruit is to glorify God, and we don't want to hide that. We should not be the Lord's secret agents. And we all sometimes fall into that. You know, we finally reveal to our coworkers, or they find out that we're Christians because something we posted perhaps on Instagram or some kind of social media, and they come up to you on Monday and go, you're a Christian? I've known you for 10 years. Yeah, well, you know. I don't want to force my religion on anyone or whatever. We all, and we all do that. Maybe you don't. Most of us do in, in one way or another. Instead, what we want is we want to bear fruit. And we don't go shoving those fruit in people's faces. Did you see what I did? Or, you know, Have you seen how much I've grown spiritually? That would be like a bad indication that you're not actually growing. But we want our fruit to be known, to be seen, not for our sake, but for God to be glorified. For people to say... You, Mike, a preacher, a teacher, a, a what? What do you do? No. Like, yeah, well, to God be the glory, because I know it's not me. We want to do that. So that's all I'm going to say about verses 16 through 18. We want our fruit to shine for God's glory. So let's go back to the story. We're going to break it down a little bit, and we're going to start right away with our, our points. And the idea here is keeping the word Are we keeping the word? And are there things that we need to do in order that we would keep the word so that the word can flourish and grow and bear fruit? So to to yield fruit in our lives, we must, point number one, comprehend God's word. They're all going to start with the C, hopefully that you would remember. We have to comprehend God's word. Let me read to you what Matthew 13, verse 19 says. Hopefully it's up in the screen. If it is, let's take a look at Matthew 13, 19. There it is. And it says, so Matthew 13 is the parallel portion of Luke 8. So the the parable of the soils is in Luke, but it's also in Matthew 13. And so if you read Matthew's rendition of this parable, you're going to see that there's a lot more detail in it. And so I'm going to go back to Matthew's account and see what, what the Lord said. And there is no contradiction. They, they both say a little bit different, but they're saying the same thing. So Matthew 13, verse 19 says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, this is Christ explaining the parable, and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. 
So the farmer goes out. He has a bunch of seeds. I'm always, uh, you know, it's a parable, so it's not like I don't think it was an actual farmer. But the Lord says a farmer goes out to, to sow. Apparently he wasn't a very good farmer, right? Again, I'm not the expert. But this guy just seems to throw seed everywhere. And some falls in the wayside. That's a waste. On the wayside. And it says that birds immediately come and they snatch it away. And when the disciples ask the Lord for an explanation, the Lord says, this is people, these are people that hear the message and they simply do not understand it. There was no comprehension. They had no idea what the preacher was talking about. Or you, you, got a, you had a chance to talk to a friend and you, you shared the gospel and you gave them your best uh, um, perspective of, of what, who God is and the Bible is, and they just kind of looked at you with these blank stares, thinking like, well, what, is, what are they saying? These, so the, word of, the seed is the word of God. It is alive and powerful. But if the person does not comprehend the message, there is nothing there. There's no hope of any fruit being uh, seen in that. And I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of implications on that. A lot of applications. For one, as a church, for me as a preacher, I remember uh, John MacArthur talking about er early in his years, he said, uh, you know, I can remember a very distinct stage in my life as a preacher. He said, he goes, I I really feel I grew a lot as a preacher when I decided um, I don't want to be a great preacher. My goal is to be a great teacher. And he said, when he focused on being a good teacher, he became a greater preacher. And I got to say for myself, I don't, I, I have no desire to stand up here and try to impress you with big theological words, though I do know them because I had some good teachers and pastors. It is not my intention to sound super intelligent because everybody knows I'm not. Anyway, I want to come up here and be as clear as possible. Maybe use my education as a teacher, my experience as a teacher for 20 years, to just be able to say, I want to study and I want to put together a message that is biblical, applicable, powerful, because it's the Word of God. But I want people to understand. If somebody comes right off the street who's never been in a Christian church, I want them to be able to sit here and understand what the Lord does with that is the Lord's business. But I want us to be a church that's concerned with teaching the Word of God. So I love what Jesse was saying. You know, to be able to come around a group of people and and learn from each other from the Word is very valuable. None of us know everything, but we want to make sure that we comprehend the message, the gospel. So to yield fruit in our lives, we must first comprehend God's Word. Do you understand God's Word? Do you know God's Word? What are you doing to better understand and comprehend God's Word. I think that's important. Being here on a Sunday morning, excellent. I appreciate you being here for sure. But you need to be reading. You need to be studying. You need to be asking questions. You need to be challenged, encouraged. So that's my, my uh, desire for you, that you would be in a growth group, that you would be in a community of believers learning, making sure you comprehend God's Word. Because if you don't, then God's word is just snatched away by the enemy because you don't even understand. Acts chapter 8, verse 30. A great story. Philip the evangelist is, is, has a great ministry in Samaria, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, I need you to go to, to this desert road. I'm like, what? I'm going to leave my ministry to, 
okay. And he goes. There's a chariot. Inside the chariot, a, a eunuch, an Ethiopian, on his way back from Jerusalem, going home. And he says, go up there. And he, he goes up to the chariot, chases it down. And he sees that the Ethiopian is reading a scroll, maybe that he just picked up at the temple or something. And, he, and, and it's Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah. And what does Philip say to this Ethiopian. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? Why? Because it's so important. You can read the Bible. And I remember being a kid growing up in church and frankly not understanding what it was all about. I remember going to church and sitting there quietly and attentive as much as, a, let's say, a 10-year-old could. And I remember not understanding what the preacher was saying. But thank God for my parents who kept taking me there. And eventually, right around 13 years old, I remember clearly, one of the things that happened is, all of a sudden, hey, I know what he's talking about. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, that, to me, that, that's such a blessing that I can remember being around eighth grade. And just one of the things that occurred to me is that I understood the gospel. I understood the Bible. And so, you know the rest of the story. Read it. The Ethiopian says to Philip, no, how can I understand if nobody teaches me? And then Philip goes in there and teaches them from the Old Testament everything he needs to know about the gospel. And then the Ethiopian says, so, what hinders me from being baptized? Nice. He says, nothing. There's water right there. Let's go. And he gets baptized. Oh, beloved. If you have not been baptized, read that story. Somebody who understood the gospel received it, and says, I believe it. I receive it. I understand it. I want it. I want to receive it. I want to get baptized. If you haven't been baptized, I highly encourage you. Ask the questions. Talk to me. Talk to one of our elders. Talk to your growth group leader, and uh, let us help you with that. That's a wonderful step of obedience, of testimony that you have received, understood, and received and accepted the gospel message unto salvation. Psalms 119.18, the prayer is, open my eyes that I may see the wondrous things from your law. If you find yourself bored with church, bored with reading the Bible, your prayer needs to be, Lord, open my eyes that I would understand so that I could see the wonders of your law. So to yield fruit in our lives, we must first comprehend God's word. Point number two, we must conquer trials with the word of God. Luke 8.13 says that the, the seed fell in the second soil, but it says, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. Nobody should be mistaken in thinking that if you hear the message and you believe it and you accept it and you follow the Lord, that all of a sudden your life is going to be just perfect. All of a sudden, you're going to get a better job. And all of a sudden, somebody's going to give you a brand new car. And all of a sudden, you're now going to have all these blessings that we might mistakenly think. And instead, what happens? The reality is, you've just switched teams. You've gone from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And there's a, a host of evil in this world that doesn't want to see you succeed in that. And so trials come around, tests, troubles. And what do you do? Well, it says here that many people, they hear the word. They like it. They accept it with joy. And then trials come around. And, oh, 
Well, I don't want to be a Christian for. Look at this. Ever since I became a Christian, things are going worse. Forget it. And there they go. And beloved, I've been in church for 35 years. And I've seen so many people come and go. And by God's grace, some come, they go, and then they come back. And hopefully they don't go again. And and I think that's kind of what I'm talking about here. We want to make sure that we ourselves are well-grounded, well-rooted in God's Word. So that we're not flaky, like it says, you know, James doesn't use flaky, neither does Paul in Ephesians. But it says we're like, we don't want to be like the, like the waves in the ocean that just kind of go and come back. And then you hear something new and you go over there and then you come back. And you don't want to do that. You want to be well grounded like a tree planted by the rivers of water, like it says in Psalms. All right. You must conquer trials with God's word. Why? Because if you don't, there are a group of people that receive the word with joy. They like it. They want it. And then trials come around and and they throw in the towel. They quit. They don't follow through. And and lest we... Okay, let me back up a little bit and say, okay, the Lord's parable, it's not... He's not teaching necessarily on salvation, but he's very much... It's implied and it's there. Four soils... Three of them never bear any fruit, meaning those people were never saved. There's only one soil in which the seed falls in and bears fruit. If you don't realize that starting off, you're going to look at that and say, like, oh, look, these are people that were saved because maybe they went on a crusade, they prayed, they, they, they repeated a prayer, they professed, they got all excited, and then... Two months later, you don't see them anymore, and you may wrongfully, I believe, think, oh, look, that person was a Christian, and now they lost their salvation. That's, 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 not, what it's, that's not what's here. There's only one soil that was saved, and the other three are examples of people that are never come to a saving knowledge of the gospel. And so, conquering trials with God's word, and I think that's what our growth groups is about. Studying God's word in community, having that accountability, having that, that feeling of, man, you know what? My group meets on Tuesdays, and it's Friday or Saturday, and you're thinking like, oh, boy, you know, this Tuesday we're going to read Second Peter chapter 2. And Mike even gave us a worksheet, and I haven't done it or I haven't read it. And there's that little bit of feeling like I don't want to be the only one sitting there not knowing what to say because I didn't read it. And there's this little accountability, there's little pressure, good peer pressure, if you don't have that, uh, you either think you're awesome, and maybe you are. But if you ask me, I love having to study every week to preach a sermon. I love having the responsibility of prepping for a growth group, being part of the youth group, the young adults. It keeps me on my toes. I'm grateful for that. You need that too. Growth groups is a great way to be. So let's take a look at We saw Luke, that these are the people, that the, the seed that fell on the rock, uh, James 1.12, let's talk a little bit about uh, enduring through, through temptations and trials. So James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man or the person who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Blessed is the person who endures temptation. Not if, but when you come under temptation, we must endure. And if you're smart... You have a group of people to support you and help you 
if you're honest, and be able to say, hey, I'm struggling with this right now. Um, I'll tell you really quick, only because I think it's obviously a God thing. So this morning I came, I dropped off my daughter like at 5 in the morning. What time does the brand practice here? You guys don't even know this, huh? You know the band gets here like at 7 in the morning, they're practicing? No, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. Brought my daughter into practice. And on the way back, for some reason, somebody that has come to our church but is not here, for good reason, they live far, came to mind. And I try to, you know, if somebody like that comes to mind, I try to contact them. So I send them a text. And then they text me back like, man, your timing, Pastor, is crazy. You know, struggling with this, doing that. And I was able to just kind of encourage them, give them a, a scripture for, for them to read. And they were really grateful for that. That's just one example you need people like that that are looking out for you, and you want to be the person that can bless people like that, encourage and help. It's awesome being part of a congregation and a group of believers. We all need that. First Peter 5.10, But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, and strengthen you and settle you. You need to know that suffering and trials is part of the Christian experience. But you should be even glad when you go through these trials because it gives you an opportunity to get closer to the Lord and grow spiritually. But it's not always easy. But you have to learn to conquer trials with God's word just like the Lord did when he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and nights. And the Lord always came back uh, against the uh, devil's temptation by, by quoting scripture. So to yield fruit in our lives, we must com comprehend God's word, conquer trials through God's word, and learn contentment through God's word. It says in Luke 8, 14, that the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they had heard, they go out and are choked. Listen to this. I don't have time to develop it. They are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. Boy, if that's not a description of our culture in our society, cares, stress, anxiety, things that are like pressing down on us, riches. How many people are not chasing after riches? And we all want to say like, I'm not, but we kind of all are. And then pleasures of life. Think about how many things you do and to how many places your money goes. And when it boils down to it's just simply pleasures of life. And what happens? We get caught up on those things and the, the word of God, the seed, never produces or comes to maturity, never produces fruit. Instead, Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Meaning everything I need, God has provided and does provide. We need to learn contentment through God's word. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Danger. Warning. Do not love the world or the things of the world. How many times we find ourselves thinking like, I wonder if this is okay. Let me ask the pastor. Oh, don't ask me. You already know it's not okay. I mean, if you're already wondering, how could it be okay? How close can I get? To the edge without falling over is what you want to know. If that's what you want to know, you're already way off. You're supposed to be running that way, not inching closer to the edge and still be okay. We love it. 2 Timothy 4.10. This is a sad commentary. For Demas, Paul says when he's in prison, has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica 
and to Galatia, Titus, and Dominica. He says, you know, everybody abandoned me. And this guy specifically, again, remember Paul puts people on blast. Demas, he was a collaborator in the, with the gospel. And now he's abandoned me, having loved this present world. That that would never be said of us. Every once in a while, somebody comes around and says like, hey, am I still going to church? Yeah. What about so-and-so? They're still there? Oh, no, not them. And maybe you went to another church and you went to, and you're now serving somewhere else. That's awesome. But we're talking about the people that just fall away. And let's not have that be said about us. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Boy, time goes by really fast. To yield fruit in our lives. That's you and me. We must comprehend God's word, conquer trials through his word, learn contentment through God's word. And point number four, continue in God's word. You continue in God's word. When things get hard, you continue in God's word. When you experience tragedy, you continue in God's word. When you don't feel like it, you continue in God's word. When you get sick, you continue in God's word. When everybody abandons you, like Paul is saying, you continue in God's word. When nothing goes right seemingly in your life, you continue in God's word. And you trust in the power of his word. Luke 8, 15, but the ones, the seed that fell on good ground. What makes it good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, with humility, keep it. Hang on to it. They grab that seed and they don't let it go. And what happens? They bear fruit with patience. Man, Mike, I've been a Christian for two months and I'm not pastoring yet. Oh, relax. Wait another 20 years and maybe with patience. Hang on to that word. John 15, 5. The Lord says, I am, that's a wonderful portion for, for you to read. Go back and read the whole chapter. He says, the Lord says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, remains in me, stays in me, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You might think, like, well, I've done pretty good without God. Nothing of worth, beloved. Ah, but you should see my degrees and my job and my bank account. If you would see my car, you wouldn't say that. Yeah, I would. What good is it for a person to gain the whole world and lose his soul? God would say, good for nothing. Remain in him. Last verse, Hebrews 12.1. Now, I expect you to memorize all these verses, all right? Now you wrote them down and you got them already. I know there's a lot of verses today. We must continue in God's word. Hebrews 12.1, I love this verse. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You and I have a race that has already been set before us, and it says it requires endurance to run it all the way through. I remember being in basketball and volleyball. We would train and run the last lap. What did coach say? Push hard. Finish strong. Beloved, finish strong. Push hard. Continue in God's word. Learn contentment through God's word. 
conquer the trials in your life. And very importantly, comprehend God's Word. Be in it. Be all about God's Word. Study it. Learn it. And then you're going to find yourself sharing it and teaching it to others for God's glory. May God bless His Word. Keeping His Word. Gracious Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to spend this time with you. And in your Word, it seems to fly by so fast. Help us to be good disciples of your Word as we depart from here. I thank you for everybody that's here. I pray for the families that we represent for our circles of influence, our friends, our co-workers that need to hear and comprehend these truths. Father, we want to see your word through the power of your Holy Spirit in us yield fruit in our lives that is honoring to you. We pray for forgiveness for our sins and trespasses, and we ask for help, for courage, for wisdom, and everything else that we need in order that we would live lives that will bring you glory. We pray that you would dismiss us with the blessing. I ask it in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. God bless you, beloved. You're dismissed.